As you can see, we are going to do something a little different today. I'm uh, going to have a panel and talk about some questions uh, concerning the resurrection. Before we get to that, though, I just want to make some opening remarks to you. And that would be headlined by this remark that we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, it is the foundation of our faith. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. The point that Paul is making there is Jesus, if he didn't raise from the dead, then everything that we do in regards to our faith is absolute insanity. Uh, our meeting here for worship, praying and singing songs, all, all of that is meaningless if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Uh, my preaching to you on any given Sunday, and you're listening to my preaching, would be absolute meaningless if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. The giving of our money would be insanity if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. But, but we believe that he did raise from the dead. And we believe that we have so many convincing proofs that, that support that. I just want to mention to you a few of those convincing proofs. One would be the empty tomb. Just the fact that the body of Jesus was not there. Surely the Jews, if they could have, would have produced the body of Jesus to squelch Christianity. But the tomb was empty. They couldn't produce his dead body. The eyewitnesses of Jesus is another convincing proof that he had risen from the dead. So many people saw him after the resurrection. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as Paul is writing about the resurrection, he mentions that at one time over 500 people saw him after his resurrection. And then you, you've got all of the disciples who saw him. Sometimes they were in a group together. Sometimes it was a partial group. Sometimes it was individually. But so many post-resurrection appearances. He was on the earth for 40 days giving evidence to people that he was alive. That is a convincing proof that he raised from the dead. And then just keep in mind, too, the changed lives. The Apostle Peter would be one of those. His life was completely different after the resurrection than what it was before the resurrection. And really, each of the disciples have their own story of how their lives changed after the resurrection as they saw Jesus alive. And then the early church, so many of those early brothers and sisters in Christ, they gave their lives as martyrs for that which they knew to be true. They knew without a doubt that Jesus had risen from the dead. And I think that you and I, in 2013, can have that same confidence. Jesus is alive. We're going to uh, let Tim... Uh, lead this uh, panel. He's going to emcee it, and uh, so I'll turn it over to him. Most of you sitting around it helps if I uh, unmuted my mic, wouldn't it? Uh, most of you sitting here uh, have, have heard numerous Easter sermons. Uh, you come uh, and, and hear the, uh, how Jesus came on, on, on Friday and bore our sins on the cross and, and went to the grave 
on Sunday was risen again. We've heard that numerous times. I would say most of you here have probably heard it since you were a child. Um, at the same time, I would suspect that there are some people here who, even though you've heard it over and over again, you're more concerned about, how do I get through this next week? Uh, how does the resurrection help me tomorrow? How does it get me through the rest of today? And so as a staff, we kind of thought about uh, maybe a little different way to approach this Easter sermon. And instead of just uh, giving to you facts and, and, and figures and things that, that from Scripture you can read for yourself and you've heard over and over again, we thought it might be interesting to uh, get a, a panel's perspective on how Easter has changed their life. So we have assembled this uh, stellar all-star uh, panel from across the country to, uh, uh, yeah, it's not worthy of applause, believe me, uh, to, uh, to uh, give you uh, exactly uh, why, why you need to, to know that uh, the resurrection uh, is worth uh, celebrating. Uh, but even, even saying that, uh, they could tell you all day long uh, what you need to know and what you need to feel but the bottom line is, is that uh, you don't need someone else telling you what you need to know and what you need to feel. So what, what I've asked the panel to do is give them in their own words how the rex resurrection has changed their lives. So we're going to start off with the first question, and, I, and it's a simple one. I just, I just like to know one thing different about you because of the resurrection. Indescribable joy. Yeah, it's on. We're on. There is Give her an her indescribable her. joy. It's on. I got it. I can hear it. That's way down deep and affects the way um, I live every day. It's, um, I hope that um, it's seen in the way I live my life, but I know it's in the way that I am inside, and that makes all the difference to me. I know that for, for me, I don't, I don't wake up every single morning, you know, really, 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 you know, thinking deeply about the resurrection of Jesus, um, if I was to be honest. I think most of us would admit that, you know, it's not always on the forefront of our minds. Um, but at times when I'm able to really focus on the things that I know really matter to my faith, and I'm listening to the Spirit of God, um, the resurrection does come to mind. And, and what it does for me on a daily basis is it really changes the way that I pray. Because I tend to bring small things before God. You know, I, I may wake up not feeling well, and so I immediately just, you know, pray that my headache goes away. Which can be a thing that we pray. Or I just pray that the, the day that I spend with my friends may, may go well. Which is a thing that we can pray for, but, but sometimes that's all that I pray is just small things. But when I think about the resurrection, it changes how I pray because I realize that God's in the business of answering big prayers, of doing big things. And so when I come before him, it really changes the way that I, you know, bring these requests because I know that he can do big, big things. One of the things I mentioned in the first service, i got to say this again, is uh, uh, we know one thing that he's praying for now, and that is sleep. Uh, uh, if you don't know, uh, Caleb is a brand new father. Uh, just a couple of days ago, so let's give him a hand. 
think one of the ways that uh, the resurrection has changed my life is, is uh, just the encouragement that it gives me every day. Um, when you think about what happened on Friday, that the forces of evil threw everything they could at the person of Jesus. They put him on a cross. On Friday, it looked like this thing was done and, and God's, uh, God's son was dead. Uh, but that wasn't the last word, right? We all know the sermon, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You've heard that line. And Sunday became the last word from God. And so I take encouragement from that. Whatever I'm going through, it may seem like Friday, but this is not the last word. This is not the end. God has something else to say about what I'm going through. Uh, and it might be, might be another day, but, that's, but there will be something else that God says. And, and this that I'm going through is not the last word. So. Uh, I would say one of the things that the resurrection has made a difference in my life is just that I have a purpose. Uh, I have a reason for living. Uh, a lot of folks out there in the world really don't know why they're here. They don't have a purpose, but we as Christians do have a purpose. We, and that purpose is defined for us very clearly in Scripture, and that is that we give honor to our Creator, that we glorify Him. And uh, the resurrection uh, gives me that hope, that, that purpose for living, and uh, I want to honor Him. He's my Lord. And, and, and this is totally off the subject again. I apologize, but I, I, I gave a shout-out to Caleb. i got to give a shout-out to Rachel. She is actually here with Finn today. Uh, so uh, we congratulate you as well, Rachel. Uh, one thing that... Uh, yeah. That's probably worthy of applause. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did more work than I did. She did <laughs> Um, one thing that, that I wanted to touch on real quickly is how does the resurrection affect your view of death now? I think for, for the time that, that Rachel and I, because we've only been here for, I think, going on seven months now. And so when you guys were getting to know us and you're asking us questions about our family, um, I think a lot of you guys learned that, that Rachel lost her father um, about a year and a half ago. Um, he died unexpectedly at 47 years old. And uh, for her, her sisters, and... And for me, it was one of the most difficult things that we have ever um, faced. And really the only thing that, that gave us hope, because there was a lot of tears and there was a lot of pain, was, was the promise um, of, of the resurrection. And, and we were able to look at not only that, that Christ had the power to resurrect, but the promise that, you know, that we will be resurrected again to new life. And we know that, uh, that her father, he, he loved the Lord and that he is with God now. And that in the future, when Christ returns, he will resurrect again to a new body. And he will go to eternity in heaven. And, and we will be with him for eternity too. And so that just completely changed our perspective of that whole situation. Um, it reminds me of what Paul said. You know, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. And so because of the resurrection, because of the promises of Christ, we have hope of a future of an eternity in heaven with God. And that, that really got us through that time in our lives. So. Um. And Caleb is absolutely right. We do have that hope of eternal life. Um, but there's also a lot of times in life when we feel really hopeless. Maybe it's the death of a relationship or um, the, the death of a dream. You just know that your life isn't going to be like you thought it was going to be. And um, that's a really hopeless place to be. 
but the resurrection gives us the power to go on during those hopeless times, to put one foot in front of the other um, until time, two things came, uh, can come out better in our lives, and, and they will. You know, they say that um, time heals all wounds, but I really don't think that's accurate. Um, I think a more accurate thing would be that the suffering that Jesus did for us and the hope that he gives through his resurrection, that's what heals. Amen. I've not lost someone uh, in my immediate family to death, and so I, I don't have those personal experiences of, of going through death like that, but I've certainly been with lots of people who have lost loved ones, and one thing I've noticed, those that, that pass away, uh, as, if they're Christians, they face death uh, with, without fear. Uh, they face death with a confidence, with a, a, an assurance that there are uh, better things ahead, that there is, there is a world ahead of them. Uh, they are trusting in Jesus' promises. And uh, certainly that helps the family as well that's left behind. Uh, they know that they're going to be able to see their loved one again because of Jesus, the resurrection, the hope that that gives us. Because of that, that, that hope and that promise uh, that you guys have talked about, do you think, I mean, you look around, it's a good crowd. Uh, we had 425 in first service. Uh, Easter is a big draw. A lot of people come out on Easter. Uh, do you think it's because of that hope, that purpose, that, uh, that promise uh, that, that draws people in on Easter, or is there something else? I think positively Easter is a very um, focusing time for us to just celebrate. I mean, uh, we are celebrating that there is life after the grave, and so that, that's a draw for people. This is the Sunday to rejoice over that. This is the Sunday to start uh, new and start fresh and, and to claim our victory and to, you know, laugh at death and say there is no sting there anymore. Um, and so I think that's a draw for people pos on the positive side. So. Mm -hmm. To kind of play like a devil's advocate position, I suppose, um, I, I do believe that that is a major draw for a lot of people, but, but I think there's also an element that kind of looks a lot like March Madness, which is going on right now, the, the big basketball tournament, where when the, when the tournament rolls around, like, everybody fills out brackets. Like, I've got friends, grandmothers who on Facebook, they're saying, my bracket's busted, you know, and everybody's filling out brackets, which, and they may not even be a fan of basketball throughout the year, but when March Madness rolls around, it's a big deal because everybody's doing that. It's fun to just get together, you know, pick your teams and fill out your brackets, um, and I think sometimes Easter can be a draw similar to that to where it, it can be more of a traditional thing, more of just a time to be with people. And it, we can, in the rush of all of that, like, you know, getting the new tie for Easter or the new dress, in the rush of all of that, we can, in fact, lose the purpose of what Easter is. And I think sometimes that carries into why big crowds may come on Easter and maybe on Christmas and things like that and, and, and not throughout the rest of the year. So. If I could hitchhike on that, um, one of the things that we constantly need to be aware of, whether we are, it doesn't matter if we come two weeks out of the year or 52 weeks out of the year or 104 uh, times out of the year because we're there Sunday morning, Sunday night. Um, the issue of motivation is really what is at stake. Uh, why every one of us need to, uh, to evaluate, why are we here? Why, why are, we, are we here 
so that we can rack up more points with God so that hopefully one day he'll say, yeah, your good outweighs your bad, and so come on in. And if that's the motive that we have when we come here, uh, the Apostle Paul calls that not even Christianity. It's a perverted gospel. It's, it's not even close because the, Jesus is not a part of that equation. You, you can do that without Jesus. Uh, the gospel is that Jesus has lived that righteous life for you and that when you get to heaven, his righteousness is imparted to you when, when you follow him and so that when you get to heaven, you are accepted by God and you're accepted by God even now in this life. And so am I coming for that first reason or am I coming because I love Jesus and I understand what he did for me and I want to respond to that? And uh, the, the issue of motive is one that we constantly need to, to uh, evaluate in our own lives. I would say I'm glad even for those that would choose to come just on Easter or just on Christmas because that one Sunday or those two Sundays that they're here, maybe maybe they'll get a taste of worship and God and Jesus and, and uh, God has a chance to touch them uh, as they are here. And so I, I'm thankful that they will at least come those Sundays, but my prayer would be, that they would get a glimpse of, of knowing Christ personally. He, he is alive. He wants to have a relationship with us. And if we can have that relationship with him, then we'll want to be here, and we will uh, want to be a part of God's family when they gather for worship. And, and uh, we're going to want to live for him every day because he is Lord and he is our life and we are consumed with him uh, that would be my prayer for all of us that we would be more consumed with Jesus so that kind of leads into the next question so what about those people who, who, who don't even come on Easter or Christmas what about those people who are out there who do not believe uh, in the resurrection uh, is there a way is there a way and I'm sorry about that is there a way to prove uh, the resurrection to your unbelieving friends? I, I think seeing uh, is believing. Uh, seeing leads to believing. We can even scripturally, we can go to, to John, and uh, in John's resurrection account, Peter and John go to the tomb that morning, and Peter goes in, and Peter's a little uh, confused about what's going on, but, but the text tells us that all John had to do was look inside at the tomb and apparently what he saw led him to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. That, that's the only conclusion that he came to. And so what he saw led to his belief. We could also look at uh, the thief on the cross. Uh, there were two of them, right? But one of them had a completely different reaction than the other. Both of them started out as mocking Jesus. Um, but as time went on, while one continued to mock the other one, started seeing how Jesus was dealing with this absolute agony and terror that he was going through at the same time. But he saw something different in how Jesus was handling it. And by the end of that process, he said, I want to be with you. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so there, were, there, there wasn't some logical you know, reason. There, were, there wasn't evidence thrown around. It was just a person seeing how uh, this person was living a, a godly life, and uh, they believed because of it. And so 
when people see you live in freedom and in grace and in love and in peace and, and you do it because uh, Jesus is the Lord of your life and he has uh, given you that righteousness that you could never uh, earn on your own, uh, when they see that, uh, sometimes that leads to belief. No, I'm sorry, Marcy. Go ahead. A number of years ago, um, I was having a conversation with a young man who um, just flat out told me that he did not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I suddenly realized that all of my evidence was based on the Bible, which he thought was total fiction. And um, it became very real to me that I needed to uh, study uh, and know a little more than, uh, than I did. And, and so I think it's really important uh, to know why we believe um, more than what the scripture says, which is absolutely enough. But um, there is also historical evidence, and I think that's a good thing to know, or at least know where you can find that. Um, I've, I've heard it said during the time that I was uh, studying that, that we do walk by faith, but we don't need to be walking by blind faith. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Be ready uh, to make a defense of the faith that is within you, yet do that with gentleness and reverence. So uh, certainly there, there is that need for us to be equipped to share the evidences of, of the resurrection, but I think uh, what Dusty said is right on, that oftentimes it's just our life. If we would live the Christian life, if we would love our neighbor as Christ has called us to, uh, that is the seed that is planted in a person's heart that maybe someday God can use to bring that person to him. I think that there, there's a marriage of kind of these two things of what Dusty was saying. You know, you, you live out your faith in such a way they're seeing Christ in you, but you're also not, you know, completely ignorant of, of things like what, what the Scripture says, the way that history kind of leads into certain proofs. And because I think there, there's some of us who we, we may know proofs, and so we use it as almost like hammering people over the head with what we know. And we can actually turn people away with our proof. And, and you know, they say, well, I don't, I don't even care what you have to say. I'm not seeing any love from you. You're just trying to make me look dumb and win an argument. And so there's, there's an element to where our proofs can be something that turns people away. Um, but then again, if we try just to live and just to love, but we really don't know anything, you know, then they may see that also. So I think it's a marriage of the two. That in love, we are having conversations and being willing to respond you know, as it says in First Peter, and, and people will see kind of that, that, that full circle life that we live, and, and that could lead to a really good response. So, so then I, I guess the, the ultimate question would be, what's next? Uh, what, what would be the next step? If, if, I, if I believe the resurrection is true, if I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again so that I can be forgiven, what's next? Uh, no, <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> uh, knowledge demands a choice. If, if you have, uh, if you're a fan of the Matrix, Matrix movies, um, you are Neo, right? You have a red pill and a blue pill in your hand right now, and the red pill is Christ died for you. Uh, he is not in the grave, and he demands to be listened to. If he has not resurrected, then we don't have to listen to him. But if he has been resurrected, he commands our attention, and we have to listen to everything he says. And so 
that's your choice, either listen or not. And uh, there is no middle ground. Um, and so your knowledge right now demands a response. So let's start there. Yeah, I've heard the argument put before of, of kind of two sides to where, you know, Jesus made all of these claims. And we can see them, you know, in the Gospels. And he made claims, I am the Son of God. The Father and I are one. And uh, so it kind of leads us to, okay, Jesus is now one of two things. He is either a, a lunatic because of the things that he's claiming, you know, and he's lying about all this, or he actually is who he says he is, which makes him Lord. So he is either lunatic or Lord. And I didn't come up with that. I stole it from someone in a book. But if, if he is, in fact, Lord, and you come to the conclusion that, yes, I do believe in the resurrection, whether it's through faith or through seeing someone else's life or through proofs, and you say he did resurrect from the dead, then that makes him Lord. And just the title of Lord demands that we respond. Because to a Lord, we kneel. To a Lord, we submit. To a Lord, we say, anything that you want from me, I will do. And in Scripture, we see outlined for us perfectly what he wants us to do. He wants us to I mean, come before him and say, I am in complete need of you. I need to confess my sin. I need to go to the waters of baptism and give my life to you and resurrect to new life just as you did. And so if you find yourself saying, I do believe all of this, he is Lord, then Lord demands a response from us. So. We're going to conclude uh, the panel uh, with that question and just want to throw it out to you. What are you going to do with the resurrected Christ? I mean, what's next for you? If indeed he raised from the dead, then there should be that response of your knee bowing before him and your life being surrendered to him. That, and that's going to be evidenced in, in so many different aspects of our life. For me, uh, if he is Lord, it should show up in my being a husband to Cindy. I, I, I should be a better husband to her. Because Jesus is Lord. It should show up in my being a father to my children. Uh, it should show up in how I treat my neighbor. Am I going to love my neighbor? Am I going to uh, be a shining light to my neighbor? If Jesus is Lord, that should be happening. Those relationships that I have, if, if Jesus is Lord, if Jesus raised from the dead, then I should be forgiving that person who offended me. I shouldn't be holding a grudge. It should show up at work. It should show up at school. If Jesus is Lord, it should be evidenced in our life. Maybe there's some here today who have never given their life to Jesus. We saw two earlier, Kevin or uh, Mike and Rachel giving their life to Jesus through Christian baptism and repentance and faith in their heart. In the first service we had Kevin and Peggy Hull uh, make that same decision for Christ. If you've never made that decision for Jesus, he's calling for you to surrender yourself to him. But know that it's a commitment for a lifetime. Don't go away from here just saying Jesus is Lord and it not making a difference in your life. It must make a difference in your life. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you 
for Jesus. Thank you for the evidences of the empty tomb, the changed lives, the the eyewitnesses. And Lord, even today, still, lives are being changed. Prayers are being answered. We thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. Help us in return to bow our knee to you, to live for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.